Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that your presence is here. Father, we choose to lean in to you today, God, so we can hear from heaven. Father, we simply open up our hearts wide, God, and we come with great expectation. God, that as we do, you're going to speak to us. And Lord, we pray, God, that as you speak, we will come in alignment with you. And so, Lord, thank you for the anointing. Thank you for your presence and your peace just settling in this place. God, so what you desire to happen will happen. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, listen, this morning I want to take the opportunity to uh, speak on a culture of honor. Can somebody say honor? honor? Now, listen, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I, I actually didn't hear the word honor talked about a whole lot. In fact, it wasn't until I uh, moved to a military town at the age of 21 that I began to actually hear, and more importantly, that I began to uh, see this thing called honor demonstrated on a regular basis. Now, one example of this that uh, still stands out to me to this day is this, is that there was a time where my wife and I, we got invited to join a few of our friends uh, to a welcome home celebration for the 82nd Airborne. Now, uh, the reason we were there was because uh, about a year prior to that day, I had a uh, young infantryman, or uh, basically I met a young guy that was an infantryman, and I actually led him to the Lord. And uh, his name was Mike, and after Mike uh, was born again, uh, he quickly integrated into our uh, small group of friends. Now, a short time later, uh, he, along with the rest of his battalion, they were, those guys were given orders to uh, deploy to Afghanistan. Now, if you've ever had a family member or a friend uh, that was on the front lines of a war zone, uh, then you can understand how much... Uh, the handful of us really prayed for his protection while he was gone. Now, if you can fast forward to a few months later, the day finally came when Mike's battalion was scheduled uh, to return home. And so we, along with hundreds of other people, in fact, if you can just kind of get the, the picture here, hundreds of other people who really made up, uh, you know, soldiers' wives, made up of their girlfriends, their husbands, their children, their moms, their dads, their brothers and sisters, and so on. And so what happened is, is we all crammed in to what is known as the green ramp on Fort Bragg. And even to this day, i got to be honest with you, it's really difficult to explain or to put into words the atmosphere that was in that place. And you know how when people gather, there's always an atmosphere, right? And so, listen, there was a mixture of relief in the air, anticipation, excitement, gratefulness, love, and even pure joy. And, and I'll just say this, if you can see it, that people were waving a bunch of miniature American flags, family were holding up these signs, greeting their heroes home, and the atmosphere is the only, thing I, only word I can give to it is this is that it was electric. Now, listen, once the planes landed and the mass of soldiers exited the aircrafts, they were wear, wearing their military fatigues and their gear, and uh, they were carrying their M4s. And, and once they got off the plane, they all kind of formed up, and they marched in formation into the hangar. And before those guys even walked through the door, the place absolutely erupted. Like, people were clapping, they were cheering, they were crying. And, and as soon as they, you know, if you've ever been to something like that military-wise, they go through these uh, ceremonial pieces, right? And once all that stuff was complete, and they were 
released from their formation. It's like in that following moment, it was just like mass chaos as, as soldiers were running to try to find their family and their friends. And family and friends were trying to run to find their, you know, their soldier that they were there to see. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of. As I, as I sat there that day waiting for my turn to, uh, turn to greet my friend Mike, man, I just sat back and I watched this unforgettable scene in front of me. Once again, hundreds of people. Just, just this uh, affection that was happening towards one another. And I remember as I stood and watched, man, I laughed, I cried. And, and literally, it was, it was one of those moments that was so powerful. If I didn't hold my emotions together, I was going to be like a puddle of mess on the floor. Like, I mean that. It was powerful. And, and the reality is, is at that moment, man, I was so proud to be an American. Yeah? Listen, without a doubt, I have to say that that day was one of the most impacting moments of my life. And here's why. If I could somehow put a scripture to what I witnessed that day, it would be Romans 12, verse 10. And in my opinion, this uh, simple verse captures that moment that I witnessed that day perfectly. Let's look at it together. It says this in Romans 12. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Next word, key. Honor one another above yourself. Man, why was I so impacted that day? It was because I finally saw the meaning of true honor on display. You see, the word honor means this. It is the recognition of the value, the contribution, and the importance of others. And if I can add to that definition, biblically speaking, honor means to esteem, to hold in great respect, or to place value on a person. So I want to repeat with those two definitions in mind. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, man, what I experienced that day on the green ramp of Fort Bragg has to be one of the greatest displays of honor that I've ever seen. And here's why. Because as people clapped and as they cheered the soldiers' arrivals, what they were doing was as they were uh, celebrating their value. They were thanking them for their contribution towards our freedom. And they were recognizing, we were recognizing their importance in our lives. It was truly an amazing moment. Now, here's why I bring all that up to you today. While I did not fully understand at that time, I have to admit, since then I have learned that the demonstration of honor that I witnessed that day is how God expects his people to carry themselves in this world. In other words, he wants us to esteem, he wants us to value others rather than devalue them. And the reason is, is because honor is one of the number one ways that God actually reveals his heart for people. So if I can actually elaborate on what I mean by that, to kind of transition, I want us to see the role that actually honor should have in our lives as believers. And to do this, I want us to look at a uh, passage of Scripture out of Revelation. Please listen to what the Apostle John said. He said this in chapter 5. He said, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor. Can somebody say Honor. And glory and blessing. It says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. Listen, there's a lot in that portion of Scripture, but the main thing I want us to notice is this, is that honor is constantly being demonstrated, it's constantly being given, it's constantly being received in heaven. Listen, if that's true, and it is, then, then I think you and I need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said this, he said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done also in the earth, just as it is in heaven. 
In other words, what, what Jesus is telling us here is this, is that he has called every one of us in this room to be a channel, to be a doorway, to be an extension of his heavenly kingdom, and more specifically, to be an extension of his heavenly honor here in this earth. Now, how and where do we, uh, you know, demonstrate this honor? Where does Jesus, how does Jesus want us to demonstrate this honor? Here's where we demonstrate it. First and foremost, we demonstrate our honor in our relationship with him. Like we worship him and we honor him with our lives. Amen? Second thing is this, is with our bodies. Yes, in our sexuality. Yes, in our purity. But literally in every part of our lives, we honor him with our lives. Right? We honor him with our wealth. That's why it says in Proverbs 3, with the first fruits, man, we give it to God. Amen? That's how we honor him. We honor him in our society or, our, or when it comes to our governmental authority. In other words, let me put it plain to you. When everybody sits back and gripes and complains about our government, that is not honoring. If we would pray as much as we complain, they may do better. Amen. Amen. So listen, we honor, right, God in the church. In fact, the Bible says that leadership in the church is worth double honor. He said that, not me. Right? We honor God in our occupation. What do I mean by that? It means this. If you're a boss, then you honor your employees by the way you treat them. Right? And if you're, a, if you're an employee, then you honor your boss by how hard you work for them. Amen? Because all that's unto the Lord. We honor God in our marriages. We honor Him with our parenting. We honor Him in all of our relationships. And lastly, and I think this one gets lost so often, we're supposed to honor the elderly. Listen, we bring all that together. What we actually discover is this, is that honor is undeniably at the heart of the kingdom of God. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. Listen, here's what I mean by that is that when we talk about honor, man, it's more than a word. Rather, it is a foundational piece of the kingdom. So much so that honor is a piece of the kingdom's culture that Jesus released and demonstrated on the earth. Therefore, his kingdom, please don't miss this, is built by and on honor. It operates and it functions through honor. Honor is the lifeblood of the kingdom of God, meaning if you remove honor from the kingdom, it doesn't work. Now, listen, I just think this today, and I hope you hear this, but I think if we don't get this peace right, if we don't get this honor thing right, then we don't really get Christianity right. That's how important it is. In other words, you and I can quote the Bible backwards and forward. Man, we can attend church every week. We can sing the latest worship songs. But, man, if we can't demonstrate honor in all of those areas that we just talked about, then what's happened is, is we're missing a significant piece of God's heart. And we're also missing how he is desiring to establish and expand his kingdom in this earth. And maybe that's why he's not expanding it and extending as much as we'd like for him to. Sometimes we're the problem, not him. Come on, preacher. All right, so listen, with all that said, do, do we honestly think that it's a coincidence uh, that in our culture today that, man, it's like folks are trying their hardest to deconstruct honor at, at literally pretty much every level? Right, like I honestly think that we would have to be spiritually blind to not see that there's been an all-out attack in the area of honor in our nation. Come on, lean in with me today, okay? Listen, on that note, I, I just ask you to consider something for a moment. See, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that when he created this world, that he brought chaos into order, right? And the Bible goes on to say, if you keep reading beyond Genesis 1, that it was from that place of order that he established and defined things such as this, the identity of a man, the identity of a woman, marriage, 
right? The structure of a home, meaning how uh, parents and children interact with one another, right? It's like from that place of order, he established governing authorities, leadership, education, the church, and ultimately his place in our society. In other words, hear this, that all of that came from the ordered heart of God. So listen, I think that maybe we should stop for a moment and begin to actually consider what the outcome of all this stuff that we're seeing is. Like, what's the outcome? Y'all hang with me here for a minute. What's the outcome of cancel culture? What's the outcome of the defunding of the police? What's the outcome of the massive push for the LGBTQ rights, the indoctrination of our children, right, and the open, blatant disrespect that we see for those in authority? Like, what is all of that going to produce in the end? Come on, you can breathe. It's okay. Listen, will it produce all the things that those folks are promising? Will it produce love and joy and peace, or is it moving us backward from order to disorder? Listen, in my opinion, it is one of the enemy's ways of trying to recreate chaos and disorder in our lives. All of this, of course, is done through what we hear so often, right? It's under the guise of progressive intellectualism. Like, we can somehow outsmart God. All I'm trying to say is this, is that if we want to admit it or not, much of what we are seeing today is rooted in dishonor. Right? In other words, how can the enemy persuade people into devaluing the things God has established to bring order into our world? How does he do that? It's by using the art of deception in all of these three areas by using dishonor. Are you with me? All right. Now, listen, I I realize as as I'm saying all of this uh, that I can see the potential for some people to think I'm getting political this morning. Okay? Listen, not the case. I'm not up here waving a banner for Democrats. I'm not waving a banner for Republicans. That is not me if you know my heart. Okay? So, so listen, I, I just think this. If we're willing to stop long enough and have an, an honest enough conversation, we would realize that there's righteousness and unrighteousness on both sides of the aisle. Amen? So, so listen, to say this is political is to, in my opinion, is to be distracted by a bunch of smoke and mirrors. In fact, I think one of the issues with today's church is the enemy has convinced you and I that if we talk about anything moral, that it's political. And, and so that smoke and mirrors, as he gets us to look at that, he gets us fight with one another. And as we're fighting with one another, we're squabbling with one another, he keeps running behind the scenes in the shadows, causing destruction. Like, we got to be smarter in that, gang. Right? So, so once again, I'm going to say this, man, this is not about politics. Here's what I'm trying to say, is it is solely about our culture choosing to either honor or dishonor God's established ways. Amen? Okay, so why is all this important? Because I think this, if it's, if it's true that God establishes and advances his kingdom through honor, then wouldn't it make sense that the enemy is trying his best to stop that from happening? You bet, right? All right, so to bring this portion to close, let me just say this, this piece. Is, is I actually want, for a moment, I want us to consider what the word culture actually means. A culture is this. It is a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and behaviors that categorize a group of people. Shared attitudes, value, goals, and behaviors that characterize a group of people. All right, so listen, I don't know about you, but when I think about that definition, I think you and I think I, we have two options. And I think the two options is this, is that we can either share or be infused or motivated, whatever word you want to use. We can be motivated by the attitudes and the values and the goals and the behaviors of this world. Or we can share and be infused and motivated by the attitudes and the values and the goals and the behaviors of our God. Listen, but before we 
choose which side of the fence we're going to be on there. Because I realize in this room there's people on both sides right now. And both of us think we're right. Okay? But, but listen, I, I would encourage you to heed this. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You see, whether we realize it or not, if honor isn't the foundational piece of our lives when it comes to our attitudes and our values, our goals and our behaviors and all those things we listed earlier, then we are making a conscious decision to use death instead of life. Great place to say amen. Listen, with that mind, listen to this quote. This comes from uh, Bishop C.T. Hine. He said this. He said, a cult, that's Chris. He said, a culture that isn't fundamentally rooted in honor will fail to produce anything of eternal value. Pretty good quote. Friar QL Self helped with that a little bit. <clears throat> He's the bishop, I'm the friar, just to get you guys. All right, here we go. So, a culture that isn't fundamentally rooted in honor will fail to produce anything of eternal value. Therefore, I think it would behoove you and I to say, you know what? I'll choose honor because I want life. Amen? Okay. All right, let's shift gears here. I kind of said all that to get us here. The, the ultimate goal of today is not to talk about all the problems in our world. Like, it doesn't take too much common sense to point out those things, okay? Um, rather, the goal is this. It's like, man, is how can I help all of us point to God's solution, because that's what we're after. We're after God's solution. Amen? And so to get the ball rolling in the right direction, I want to highlight the fact and maybe even encourage us to remember that uh, every society, right, every society is made up of an accumulation of single-family units. Pretty simple, right? In other words, it's a bunch of small families that make or create the, the whole of our society. Let me break this down for us. In other words, this as an example, there's a grand total of 17,000 households that make up Knotts County. Okay? Now, because of this, I wholeheartedly believe that if we want to see honor work itself back into our society, then we got to start focusing on our homes. Right? Like, like every person here represents a home. Right, And so here's what I mean by that, that if, that if we as followers of Christ, if you're a follower of Christ in this place, and you truly want to see our area change, then, then we got to begin by inviting and embracing this thing called a culture of honor into our homes first. Right? In other words, we can't keep waiting on the lost and the unbelieving world around us to change their ways. That doesn't happen, right, without Jesus. Okay, so, so rather you and I need to push through all the chaos that's around us and all the darkness around us because we live in a really dark place, right? Like, like I, I was talking to a friend the other day that went down south and they were like, wow. And they came back and they were like, oh, like, man, this place is dark and they're from here. Okay, it just took them like five days to realize that. Okay, so listen, we live in a dark place, so, so can we somehow push through that darkness, and can we dig into God's ways, uh, because I think that this is the responsibility of every believer, like we are called to affect the culture we live in, not the other way around, amen, but unfortunately right now, it is the other way around in many ways, all right? Okay, so because I believe in this uh, so strongly, in fact, I believe this is one of the keys that will hopefully help unlock one of the solutions or the solution in our region, I want us to turn our focus to uh, what it means to have a culture of honor in our hearts and in our homes, all right? So the, the first thing I want to talk about is this, is I want to talk about five fundamental choices that you and I have to make, 
Five fundamental choices that you and I have to make. And I want you to understand something today. There is no neutral in this. You're either saying yes or you're saying no. My hope is that we would all say yes. Amen? So number one is this, is that as a family, as a family, whatever the family structure of your house is, is that you have made the decision that you're going to serve the Lord. Okay, listen, with that point in mind, let me read a very familiar passage of Scripture out of Joshua. He says this. He says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then it says this last part that most of us know, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like I can't control what the neighbor does, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Listen, I think until we settle this one thing in our hearts, then in all reality, everything we're going to talk about beyond this point is not only impossible, it's useless. Okay? So, so gang, listen, I'm not asking this. I'm not asking you today, are you going to kind of serve him? I'm not asking, are you sometime going to serve him? I, I, I'm asking if you're always going to serve him, right? In spite of what we may face, what we may go through, in spite of what this culture tries to convince us of, will we give him our whole heart? Let me interject something here to help some of us out. And I don't mean to pick on anybody, but, but, but a lot of times how Jesus like, talks to me is I'm just walking around and uh, it hits me. And, and, the, and the, probably the, reti- the reason is because my mind runs so much all the time, I get in the way. And so kind of when I'm like in my wondering mode, I'll hear something and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, God. Here's what hit me the other day. Walk through the bathroom. You know the bathroom's a holy place. It is. I, I don't know why, but man, it's like from my bedroom to my closet, that threshold of a bathroom, Jesus talks to me all the time. It's pretty neat. Maybe I just need to go set up shop in there. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I got jokes. It's like dad jokes rolling through my head here. Okay, so anyways, here, here's, what, here's what hit me on this thing about, man, we're going to serve the Lord. It is, as I thought about today, like, like you know, as a pastor... Uh, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day are like probably your biggest Sundays of the year. And, and the reason is for Mother's Day is because when uh, a lot of times dads go and kids go, hey, uh, mom, what, what do you want for Mother's Day? Moms so often say, uh, the only thing I want is I want you to go to church with me. And, and what they are saying in that moment is I'm trying to tell you that I've decided I'm going to serve Jesus with all my heart, that he is first and foremost. Now, here's the other side that I feel like God spoke to me on. He, he actually brought me to Father's Day. You know, a few years ago, I learned a hard lesson. I, I worked my butt off on a, on a Father's Day message, and I showed up for church, ready to preach to dads, encourage them, and y'all weren't here. And, and I actually joke with our staff and say, you know, from now on, I'm going to start preaching a Father's Day message on Mother's Day, because that's when they actually show up. But, but here's, the, here's the soberness that I want you to understand today. Is a lot of times when the wife and the kids say, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? They say, I want to go do this, and this isn't church. And if you realize it or not, what you're saying to your kids is, Jesus is not number one in my life. You can get mad at me all you want. Truth is truth. Okay, so let me, let me say it to you like this. Edwin Lewis Cole said this. He said, truth is like soap. It won't work unless you apply it. Okay, so, so listen, sometimes we need 
the soap of God's word and God's truth to get some stuff off of us so we can get right. Amen. And, and so I just want to ask you dads today, I know this is strong, but I want to ask you today, man, it's like, what are you communicating to your kids? Okay, listen, nobody's taking a role today and nobody's going to judge if you're here or not here in a few weeks. But at the end of the day, what are you communicating to your kids? Is it really what we see there in Joshua or is it something else? Because if you like it or not, like we learned the other night in our parenting class, uh, our kids are watching more than they're listening. So you can say all day what you want about God's word, but at the end of the day, they're watching if you put importance in it. Preach it. Amen. All right. That rebukes me in a thousand different ways too, so be encouraged. Okay. So you don't have to keep looking at me like you're looking at me. I feel like I stole you candy or something. I don't know. The second choice we need to make is this. We'll move on, fellas. We'll move on. We'll move on. Is this. As husbands, we will honor our wives. Like that's, a, that's a choice we need to make. Will we honor our wives? Will we recognize who they are, their value, their contribute, all these things. Will we do that? First Peter 3, 7 says this. It says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Somebody say equal partner. Equal. Like, we need to remember that, right? Equal partner in God's gift of new life. Watch this last part, fellas, because this is scary. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Sometimes we wonder why our prayers aren't getting answered. Now, ladies, when we get the next time we get in an argument, don't throw that in our face, all right? You want your prayers to be answered? No, okay, so don't do that, all right? Number three, here we go. Number three, the third choice, as wives will we or we will honor our husbands. Like, that's the choice made. We're going to honor, we're going to value our husbands. Listen to Titus 2, 3 through 5. I was trying to give you a verse that's not one that everybody always points to that women get mad at. Here we go. Let's look at this one. That'd be Ephesians 6. All right, here we go. Uh, Similarly, teach the older women, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Watch the next transaction transaction, because we should be a generational church. These older women must train the younger women to love. I would like to insert to honor their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. There's some oomph in that last statement, right? So listen, if you're married in here, right, uh, listen, God's idea of marriage isn't some continual unhealthy cycle where husbands and wives uh, live in some sort of power struggle all the time, right? Like, like we're competing in some tug-of-war match so you can gain more power and more control. That's not Jesus. Amen, guys. All right? Listen, instead, God wants us to function as a team. Yes? He wants to function as a team. There's no longer when you get married. It's no longer me. It's we. Right? We're a team. Right? That knows how to trust and lean on one another's gifting, strengths, and abilities. How many of you guys know that both of you are equally gifted and equally, you know, as far as having abilities and strength? Like, it's equal. Yes. Amen. So, here's the truth. Okay? The truth is, is... In the home, we may have different roles, we may have different assignments, but the Father's love and the Father's honor for his sons and daughters are the same. All right? Together, we make up and we reflect the full nature of God. Do you understand that? Without your partner, you're not reflecting the full nature of God. We could talk about that for an hour, but we don't have time. So listen, because that's true, we don't contradict one another, we complement one another. Therefore, our marriage shouldn't be some competition. It should be an empowering, right? That men should empower women to be who God's called them to be, and women should empower men to be who God's called them to be. Amen. Amen. Number four is this. 
is as children, in other words, there's a choice here in children that we will honor our parents. We will honor our parents. Now, before we look at what the Bible says on this one, I want to share a quick story with you. I was listening to a sermon this week uh, by, uh, from a pastor who lives in New York, and he said this. He said that he was on the subway one morning, and uh, because it was early in the morning, man, the, the, the passenger car was absolutely packed, and at one of the stops, a woman... Uh, you know, got on board with a child about seven or eight years old, and this kid was uh, pretty lively, pretty energetic, and he was so energetic, he kept like bumping into people, right, and he kept bumping into the pole, kept bumping and stuff, and, and so much so that the pastor said you could kind of feel the tension in, in the subway cart, right, and, and after a few minutes, the mom got really agitated with her kid in an attempt to get his attention, in an attempt to get him to calm down, uh, the mom reached out and grabbed the kid and pulled him toward her, and when she pulled him toward her, he slapped her hand away and said, F you! Seven or eight years old. So as you can imagine, the response in that subway car was about what you just did, right? Listen, let me make pause, give you a little southern, southern reality here. If I would have done that as a child, like my body would have remained here, my head would have been slapped in the next week. Where mom would have been like, poof, right? It had been gone. Sometimes I think we need to get back to some of that stuff. Amen. All right, here we go. Listen, so, so um, you know, everybody was like, oh. And, and the mom, the only response she gave is she just hung her head in shame because she was so embarrassed by what just happened. Now, here's why I'm bringing this up, okay? It's because this type of behavior, A, we're seeing it all over our society. But, but listen, it flies in the face of God's word when it says this in Ephesians 6. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, now listen, God clearly takes this command so serious. He says this in Deuteronomy 27. He said, cursed is he who dishonors his father or his mother. Do you realize that? When you dishonor your parents, you're opening up yourself for a curse. There's something important I think we need to consider in all this, because I want to bring some stuff in context. Notice that God never stamped an age limit on these verses. In other words, he never said, hey, look, man, when you turn 18, leave your parents home, you're off the hook. Yeah, all right, go ahead, right? He, he never said, when you grow up, when you get a job, when you get married, when you have some kids of your own, don't worry about that one. You're okay. Like, listen, these, these commandments here, listen, they, they, they don't have an expiration date on them. And, and the reason I'm saying that is, is because I've seen a lot of older people like, they're so mad about their childhood, now they're taking it out, and they're 40 and 50 years old on their parents, and it's disgusting. It's dishonoring. It's wrong. It, right? Y'all know that's true. So, let me also add this. If you're sitting here today, and you're thinking, well, PQ, all that sounds nice, uh, but you don't know my parents. They're an absolute train wreck of a mess. L listen, you're not a perfect parent. And they're not a perfect parent. Okay? That's reality. But, but listen, if that's the case that they're a train wreck and you're wanting to avoid them and dishonor them because they're a train wreck, I, I simply want to remind all of you that Jesus and all of his perfection still submitted himself and chose to honor two uh, imperfect earthly parents. Y'all get that? If anybody had the right to dishonor somebody, right, a parent, it would have been Jesus. Jesus would be like, hey, Joseph, let me show you how this is done. You know, I am the, the everlasting father. <laughs> like, he didn't do that, right? Yeah, anyways. 
Listen, and all I'm saying is this. In the last time, once again, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're 10 years old in this room or if you're 110 years old. The last time I checked, man, Jesus is still our example in this. Amen? All right, so let me say this before we move on. Uh, I, I do want to say something to the younger folks in the room, and, and it's this, and it's important, especially because of, of what's being accepted today in our culture. It is one of the ways that, that you can actually honor your parents is this. Is that when they ask or tell you to do something, because you know we do that, right? Hey, go, go do this. Go do that. Turn TV on. Turn, no, okay, anyways. <laughs> when I was a child, I thought that was my job. I was, I was the remote control. I, I just learned after a while, sit closer to the TV. It's less distance, right? Anyways. But listen, when your parent tells you to do something or asks you to do something, how about rather than getting an attitude, right, and changing tone of your voice, <laughs> right, doing all that stuff? Rolling your eyes, dragging your feet, right? Delaying as long as you can. Just one more game, right? Listen, or complain about it. How about just do it? And here's why I say that. Not just do it, but do it with a grateful heart. Amen? Knowing, knowing, please, man, if I could tell the kids something. Knowing that your parents love you. And, and realizing that when you do that is a way to have gratitude because, listen, you, you don't really understand the sacrifices that they've made to have you here. And to take care of you. Amen? Amen. Number five. Here we go. As parents, we will honor our children. As parents, we will honor our children. Listen, guys. Honor is a two-way street. Um, before, it goes, before honor goes up in the family, it must go down in the family. Listen, as parents, we're the leaders, not the kids. Amen? And so I just think this, man. We can't sit back and demand something from them that we aren't willing to give ourselves. You know, so often, and, and listen, I don't know if this is maybe just America or the fact that I was from the South, uh, but man, it, you know, when I was a kid, it, it was demanded one way. And that's just not how the kingdom works, right? So, so listen to Ephesians 6.4. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And, and that's what it's saying, man, is honor them enough not to tick them off, Right? It says, but bring them up, bring them up, man, like bring them up higher, right? In the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. In other words, teach them how to honor. Amen? So listen, to this verse, I simply want to ask, uh, what is the best way we can honor our children? If you haven't heard me say anything today, hear what I'm about to say. Is it by giving them everything they want? Is it by being their best friend and spoiling them rotten? No. Is it by giving them free reign to do what they like? mm or, or is it going the complete opposite direction of what I see? Because you remember, I was a youth pastor for a long time. Is it doing that, or is it coming all the way over here and going, you know what? We're going to be the completely opposite. We're going to lock them down in a controlling way. Man, they're not, they can't even breathe unless they ask. Right? Or is it beating them down with the Bible every time they make a mistake? Like, no, equally no, right? Here's the answer. How can we, how can we best honor our children? The best way we can honor our children is by loving God with all of our heart. And then passionately, consistently, and unrelenting teaching our children to do the same. Right? Will they be perfect in that? No, but that's why there's this thing called grace. Last time I checked, me with my Heavenly Father, I don't always get it right either. And if I expect grace from there, surely I can give grace there. Amen? Amen. 2 Timothy 1.5 says this, in light of what we're talking about here. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived. Somebody say first lived. Somebody say first lived. First lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. 
Gang, that should be our goal. In other words, what, what's in us is transferable because it is into our children. And if you have grandchildren, into them. And if you have great-grandchildren, into them as well. It's a generational gospel. Amen? Amen. Listen, how many of you guys know when we take a step back and we think about those five things? Here's what I know today when I'm preaching this. Most of everybody in the room has heard those things. And you know you should do them. (laughs) Listen, there's a big difference between acknowledging, yeah, God, I got you, and then actually being established in those truths and walking them out. And today I'm not asking you to simply uh, give a head nod to Jesus going, yeah, I agree with you. I'm asking you, man, will you actually consider this and let it dig down deep in your heart and actually produce life change? Amen? All right, so listen, with those, with those five fundamental choices in mind, let me give you two things that I think that hinder us, okay? Y'all hang with me here. We got a little bit more to go, but we're going to get her done. Here we go. Um, there's no buffets around, so you're okay. <laughs> They're not going to run out of mac and cheese. Okay, here we go. Two of the greatest hindrances that family members have when it comes to honoring one another. The first one is this, is that we make the mistake of taking each other for granted. So easy. So easy, but so true. Like we, take, we make the mistake of taking each other for granted. And so listen, when this takes place, we inadvertently end up treating one another as common, not that special, just plain old ordinary. That's what dishonoring means. Oh, it's just you. It's just mom again. Oh, it's just my wife. Oh, that's, that's just the old, old grumpy husband. Right? Oh, that's just the kids, right? Like they're rats in the attic or something, Right? Listen, I, I think when we, be, when we begin to treat each other's common, what happens is, and we've all done it, man, I've done it thousands of times, is that we let down our guard and we begin to speak and we begin to act in a way that we would never do with someone else that we hold in high regard. Right? Like, like we'll say something to our wife or our husband, uh, you, you know, anyways, we, we, we just get so free and loose-lipped. Right? And we'll do things attitude-wise and actions and tone of voice. All those things that we would never do with anybody else that we were trying to impress. Right? So, so listen, I just think instead of uh, falling in this trap, maybe we need to remind ourselves that our spouse, okay, that our children, and that our parents are really a gift from God. Come on, hang with me, guys, today. Listen, that we should treat them like the treasure they are by intentionally assigning them a place of honor in our hearts. In other words, let me put it this way. If, if I came today and I gave you some magnificent treasure, you imagine what that would be to you. How would you treat that? You know, in comparison, do you treat your spouse or your children or your parents that way? But yet we're supposed to be consider ourselves as gifts and treasures. Amen? Amen. So listen, we do this through our words, right? Through our actions, our thoughts, and our inward and outward attitudes. How many of you guys know you can, you can put on a face, but in, inwardly, if you hate their guts, after a while, it's going to show Amen, preacher. All right, second thing is this, is that we allow pride, in other words, a mistake we make, we allow pride to erode the foundation of our relationships. So listen, let's face this, that pride is the root of every conflict and every offense in a family. Listen, pride blinds us from seeing the good in one another, and pride is what keeps us from admitting when we are wrong. Some of us had not said that word in 20 years, Right? Listen, pride is what causes us to want a victory over reconciliation, right? So listen, in light of all that, listen to what King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 18, 12. He said this, he said, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, it's prideful, okay? 
So before a downfall of a marriage or downfall of a, a downfall of a relationship, however you want to word it there, the, the heart is haughty, it's prideful. But watch this. But humility comes before honor. So if I can't just flip that last part, listen, I think you'll read this, that pride comes before dishonor. So every time there's honor in a family, it's because someone is choosing to be humble. And every time there's dishonor in the family, it's because someone is choosing to be prideful. My Bible and your Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. We need God's grace in our families, not the opposition of God in our family. Amen? All right, so let me just say this to you. Just, I, I think if we can understand that, once again, what keeps us from honoring one another, it's our pride. And it's ultimately the only reason why we would ever refuse, once again, to extend honor up or down, sideways in our family. Okay, here we go. Let me say this to you. Two more, two more chunks of things will be done. While I'm sharing all this, I realize that uh, not everyone's family in this room fills their heart with warm fuzzies. Like every time you, you whoo, right, whatever, okay? That's so cheesy. All right, but anyways, li- listen, the, the reality is, is we, we live in a fallen world with a bunch of imperfect people, okay? And because of this, not every father and not every mother or every child is always going to live up to God's divine standard when it comes to honor, right? And so, listen, what I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to deny the pain, and I don't want to deny the disappointment in those situations, uh, but, but I don't want us to, to sit back and, and somehow tell ourselves, you know, make the mistake of saying that, that God only wants us to honor those who deserve it, because that's what happens. They don't deserve my honor, right? I've had those moments with my parents. I've had that moment with my wife. She's had it with me. I've had it with my kids, right? We're, we're living, breathing human beings, Right? And so, listen, I just think when it comes to situations like maybe yours is, is that we have to choose to honor that other person, right? Not because they're honorable necessarily, but because we are honorable. Like, that should be our goal. Like, let that see, and not because who they are, but because of who we are, we can honor them. Because I think when we choose to be people of honor, we open the doorway for real healing to come, forgiveness to come, peace to come, and freedom to come in our lives. If we want those things to remain at a distance from us, stay ticked off. Right? Okay. Let me close by giving you one more kingdom principle. In fact, in this kingdom principle for honor is really where we find the reward of honor. Okay, let me read something to you out of Mark chapter 6. More than likely you've heard this before. It says, Then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now, that sounds all good right now, but watch this. Then in verse 3, they said, Is this not? Is this not? How many times have we looked at someone and said, Is this not? Look at what's not. Right? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters with us? So they were offended at him. In other words, listen, these guys couldn't get over the fact that they knew who Jesus was. See, in a home setting, we know who each other are better than anyone. Like I've had times, okay, and I say this because they're coming to next service. I've had times to say, uh, uh, you know, basically, PQ, man, your son was amazing today. Like, he was, he, he was in, in fact, I was John's back there, and John told me one time, he said, he said that my son, like, 
was, was like, man, I wish every kid would act like that on the trip. He was respectful. He was this. He was this. He was that. And I'm thinking, what kid are you talking about? <laughs> like, I was grateful that he knew how to act when he left the house. But I'm like, half the time, I'm going to choke him out. <laughs> right? And, and so, the, so the thing is, it's like we, we get so used to him. Like, I've had people tell me, your, your wife is so loving and so done. And I'm like thinking, how many times did she just cut me? Cut me deep, Right? <laughs> Now, now, she is way nicer than me. I'm not denying that. But I'm just like, isn't it funny how so, so often, like, the way other people perceive our family, we don't perceive each other that way, right? And that's, I'm just trying to make this relatable here, okay? It, it, is this, is that, about Jesus, is that they couldn't get over the fact that they, that they knew him, right? And because they knew him, they failed to see his value, Right? Therefore, they reduced him to some category. They said, this is where he's from. This is his family line. We know what family line he's from, right? Uh, this is what he does for a living and so on. And all those things that just what they knew about Jesus became a stumbling block. And, and here's what I'm really getting at. That all those things kept them from receiving his best. Now, now listen what Jesus said. And this is so true for so many of us. It says, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Is not without honor except in his own country. I think, if, man, if there's any place we should be honored, like it's there. Like I heard, I heard a pastor say recently, he said, you know, my goal, this guy's preached all over the world. He said, my goal is not to be famous in this world. It's to be famous in my own house. Gotcha, boss. Good point. Right? And so listen, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of what? Because of their unbelief. Let me put it like it should read. And he marveled because of their dishonor. Right? Listen, because the people in Jesus' hometown viewed and treated him as common, right? They didn't honor him. And because they didn't honor him, they didn't get his best. I hope you're hearing me today. I know it's simple. Listen, they didn't, because they didn't honor him, they didn't position themselves to receive his best. That they didn't receive, because they didn't honor him, the fullness of who he was. And, I, and I've read that story, and I can't tell you how many times I've read it, and I've just thought this one thing, is what would have happened if they actually chose to honor him for who he really is? Now, now here's the kingdom principle I think we can pull out of this. As we, you and I need to remember in our own households that honor gives us access to the anointing that people carry, while dishonor closes us off to it. L- listen, if you have a family member that, that serves Jesus, the Bible says he is the anointed one. He is in them, so they're carrying an anointing, right? They have gifts. They, they have some, a piece of Jesus in them, and, and if we don't honor them and honor that piece of them, we'll never receive from it. Right? Let, let me say it this way. Until we learn to honor each other for the positions we hold in the God-ordained family structure, we'll never receive one another's best. We'll never position ourselves to receive each other's best. And so I just think this. Let me make it really plain. Ladies, if you want to receive your husband's best, honor him. Husbands, if you want to receive your wife's best, honor her. Remember, remember her when you fell in love. Right? So listen, if, you, if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, you want to receive your parents' best. Once again, it doesn't matter if your parents, uh, you know, if you're still in their home or you've been long out of their house. If you want to receive their best, honor them. And I'll say this, if you want your uh, son and your daughter's best, then learn to honor them too. Send it downhill some. Amen? 
Because the reality is it's honor that will draw out the anointing. It's the honor that will draw out the calling. It's the honor that draws out the gifts and the wisdom. It's all that that brings it to the forefront. Man, it's the honor that draws out strengths and abilities. It's the honor that you know, pulls out the God-given identity. And ultimately, it's the, it's the honor that draws out the nature of God that resides within them. That's God's reward for us in honoring. So if I can put a stamp on this, let's remember this one statement today, that a culture of honor begins in the home. If we want it here in the church, if we want it at our jobs, if we want it in the city, it's got to start in our homes. The husbands, once again, are called to honor their wives. Wives are called to honor their husbands. And children and parents are called to honor one another, right? And see, I just think it's this. It's like we can't expect honor to flow through us unless it's in us. Like it's got to be in our heart. Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet? I want to read one verse to you, and we're going to pray. Can you guys look at this last verse with me, please? Second Timothy, it says this, and this is where I'm hoping that we'll get honest today, because uh, I realize that every person in this room hasn't succeeded perfectly in everything we're talking about. Can I hear an oh yeah on that one? Okay. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, okay, that's your words, your thoughts, your actions, right? It says, he'll be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, I realize in context what that's talking about, but I think the principle is still true. Man, if you and I want to be, want to be used in honoring ways by God himself, then we got to rid ourselves of dishonor in our families. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. And, and Lord, I, I, I just simply go... Today, man, like we've been talking about for weeks, the the sower goes out to sow the word. Lord, I've communicated that the best I know how. And Father, I simply ask uh, God that it would land on good soil. And Father, I pray, God, that according to that scripture we just read out of Timothy, God, if there's any dishonorable ways that are in us, God, of how we treated one another, how we speak to one another, and so on, how we view one another, God, that we would simply repent. That we'd repent of our dishonorable ways, God, so that we could be honorable again and so lord whatever needs to be healed in the past we give you full permission to do that god whatever you need to do in our hearts so that we can honor mom and honor dad honor husband honor our wife honor our kids then lord we just simply ask that you would help us god we desperately need your grace and we desperately need your mercy to be able to do these things and so father i just thank you that today god that uh, you are doing the impossible in every person's heart and god that you would help us to be people uh, who who do what you say. God, obviously all this is important to you. And, and if it's important to you, we need to do it. And so Lord, we you just help us do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.